0: God build us back. Can't wait to go back next year. Uh, today is the official day. You can sign up. We won't know for three weeks uh, what the cost of the flight will be. So it's going to be somewhere between fourteen and fifteen hundred dollars. Next July twelfth through nineteenth, we're going to fly out on Friday the twelfth. Going to spend the night in Miami, go down for a week, and then come back. I'm, I'm actually going to make at least two trips to Haiti next year, and uh, we want you to go with us. So $100, get your name on the list. That's a deposit. We will send in the uh, airline deposits in just a few weeks, so uh, let me know if you're interested. We're going to have uh, first Sunday Fellowship lunch. Everybody's invited to stay. We're going to have some pizzas coming. If you didn't even bring anything, that's all right, stay. We're going to show a second Haiti video that shows a little bit more of what was going on. Uh, You're all invited to stay, and then we're going to give any of the Haiti team who would like to an opportunity to share what uh, their impressions were of Haiti. Two weeks from today, August 19th, Class 101, Discovering Church Membership will be out in the living room. Be sure and sign up so that we'll have a, a record that you're going to be here. We'll have enough food. We'll provide lunch and childcare for you and your children and uh, need you to sign up there. And then men, we are starting our men's Bible study, Authentic Manhood, Discovering Authentic Manhood, three weeks from today, August 26th, 8 a.m. out there in the uh, living room and breakfast will be provided. Um, got about a dozen men so far signed up for that. We'll get you out of here in time. To go home and pick up your family, bring them back to church. But I'm really excited about what God is going to do in and through that uh, men's study. All right, we got another video that we want you to watch. Um, I just thought you would like this, and it kind of goes along with what we're talking about today. This is called the Marshmallow Test. be back stay in the chair okay okay back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So I'll tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. Uh <laughs> wearing an East Texas rain jacket, um, several weeks ago for Rachel's birthday she decided she wanted to go to Ennis to the drive-in movie and um, we took our little backpack chairs and we had this all planned out. So we get there, we bring out the backpack chairs, we put them down on the ground. Janie and I are enjoying this nice weather. It was This was first of May and it was a beautiful night. We're like, this is so cool. Kids are all playing um, putt-putt golf and they're just having a great time. And then all of a sudden in the distance we hear a little rumble. And Janie looks at me and she goes, oh no. And so I pull out my little smartphone and I start checking my weather app. And sure enough, there's a massive... Not a little, a massive storm. I'm looking at storm tracker, and it's coming right toward us. So I call Caleb and I said, "Hey, man, ask them what they're, they're at the snack bar by now." And I said, "Ask them what um, what their policy is." And they said, "Do we show the movies rain or shine? It's not our problem. We don't give any refunds, anything like that." So we said, "Okay." So we thought, well, we'll just we'll, we'll deal with it. So we're sitting there, and it starts raining a little bit. And we're sitting there, and it starts raining. So the girls all get in the car. And we're, we're backed up in my Durango, and the back end is up. And all three girls, um, Rachel and Hannah and Riley, are in the back where they can see. Janie's sitting in the front seat in the passenger side backwards with her back up against the, the dash. So she's kind of looking through. She can kind of see a little bit. Well, it starts raining harder. It starts raining harder. I mean, it starts raining harder. So Caleb and I get in the car as well. And I'm, stick- I'm in the passenger Rear, uh, the, the driver's side, passenger, back seat. So I'm looking out the window. Caleb's over there whining and complaining because he can't see because there's girls in the way, you know. And we wanted It was Rachel's birthday. So finally, he's like, Dad, can we please get out? Well, it looked like most of the storm had passed. And so I said, okay, we can get out. Well, we, we find the only thing we can find, which are trash bags in the back end of my Durango, cause it's a, it's a mowing vehicle. So we found some trash bags, we put them on, and we get out there, and man, it, it's awesome. It's nice and cool, and it's raining. We're under kind of the flap here. But then, I should, my first clue should have been when the storm was heading this direction, and then it turns around and comes back the other direction, I should have figured that out. But I'm sitting there, cause all of a sudden the rain starts coming, and it starts raining sideways. And it's hitting me in the head. You know, i got my baseball cap on, and this whole side is getting wet, and it's rolling down here. And I'm going, man, this is getting pretty bad. And Jane's like, should y'all get in the car? I'm like, nah, we can handle it. And Rich is going, oh, my dad's the coolest. He's staying out there, you know, and we're just having this big time. Okay, well, then we start hearing little thunder in the distance, and we see flashes of lightning. And Jane's like, you should get in the car. And we're like, nah, we got this. It's way off. It's okay. All right. So raining sideways, thunder. We're watching the movie, and we're at the movie, the the one that is closest to I-45. So our movie screen is here. I-45 is right there. There's this little gap underneath the the movie screen between the movie screen and the fence, and you can see I-45, and you can see the field over there. Sitting there watching the movie. I don't have a clue what's going on in the movie because it's really getting kind of miserable by now. The bolt of lightning hit. I saw it hit heard the thunder at the same moment, and I don't know how we did it. Caleb and I both jumped straight up in the air, grabbed our chairs and are in the car before you could say anything. The girls are laughing so hard that they can't even hear the movie. They're like, that's the funniest thing we ever saw! You know, Caleb and I are not the least bit embarrassed because when you see see lightning and hear thunder at the same time, you don't care. You are going to haul it out of there. And we did. Well... I tell you all that to say, I kind of think that that's what it would be like if I heard an audible voice from God. I've never heard an audible voice from God. I don't think I want to hear an audible voice from God because I think I would be running. I wouldn't even hear what He was saying because I'd be so freaked out. But we're starting this new series and we're talking about discovering God's will and we're going to be talking a lot about hearing from God and we're going to show you how You can hear from god. It's not an audible voice and I think that all of us struggle at times Figuring out what god wants us to do even the most mature christian struggles at times And one of the biggest reasons we struggle I think is that we look at life from the wrong perspective We look at life from what do I want to do? What do I want? What makes me happy? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to date all of those things? It's my will be done and god doesn't operate that way um If you ever stopped and looked at your life and wondered, how did I get here? If if you're one of those people that all of your relationships are humming, I mean, emotionally, relationally, vocationally, everything spiritually, if you're just humming all the decisions you've made on your own apart from God, if all of that's wonderful, then this message isn't for you. But if you've ever stopped and looked at your life and gone, man, I'm not exactly where I thought I would be in 2012. I'm not in the job that I thought I would be in. I'm not in the marriage. I may not even be married. may not even be dating. I'm not in the relationship that I thought I would be in. I'm not in the car that I thought I would be in. If you've ever looked at your life and said, how did we get here? Then maybe you're in the right place today because I'm going to tell you how you got here. It's one decision at a time. And usually, we've got this past. I talked last week about we all have a past and, and God can redeem your past. We all have things in our past that we are very ashamed of. They're like pages in our life story that we would rip out. And some of us, it's chapters, two or three chapters. We would just rip out. And if somebody were looking at our life story and they're going, what happened here? You'd go, I'll never tell. What happens in Palestine stays in Palestine. I'm not going there. And we're ashamed about our past. But I'm going to tell you, if you will make wise decisions, you don't have to be defined by your past. God can do some incredible things for you. So today, we're going to start this four-week journey on, on discovering God's will... And I want to clear up a lot of confusion about this. Because I don't, know, I don't know about you, but in the circles that I've run in, every one of us at some point in our life have, have had a major decision to make. And we've needed to hear God's uh, voice. We needed in, you know, direction from God. And so everybody I know has at some point in their life gone, God, I need to make a decision now. And they've, they've pointed a verse. The problem is if you're in despair you know, and you land on the verse, and Judas went out and hanged himself. Is, is, is that for me, Lord? Or, ladies, one of my favorites, you got to be very careful trusting your future to just open and point. You know, click and point. You can't do that because, ladies, what if you're mad at some dude in your life and you open it up to Judges chapter 4 and you see, and Jael took a hammer and a tent peg and drove it through his skull and killed him. No, that's not for you. I'm just going to tell you right now, that is not how you handle conflict. So today we're going to look at a promise from God. This is going to kind of be the foundation for our entire series. And I want you to look at the last half of this verse. It's the last half of Proverbs 3, verse 6. And it says, He will make your path straight. Read that out loud, please. Thank you for playing along. Make your path straight means God will make it very clear what you're supposed to do. God has promised that if you will follow His ways, He'll make it unmistakably clear what you're supposed to do. That's what we're going to look at. So here's the foundation. Um, if you were to look up in a concordance, or if you're kind of doing a study on the will of God, we're going to look at three ways that the Bible uses the term "the will of God." This is on your listening guide. If you want to follow along on U version, if you uh, go to your U version, go to live, um, and it'll say find live event. Type in seven five eight zero one, and up will pop all of these notes. They'll be on U uh, version as well. If you have a smartphone, so here's the first one. First way it's used in scripture is the providential will of God. The providential will of God. That's a big long word and here's what it means. There are some things that God has said he was going to do no matter what. It doesn't matter if you believe them. It doesn't matter if people in history believe them. It doesn't matter if people in the future believe them or not. God is going to do some things and he's going to do them because he said he was going to do them. doesn't matter if you pray about them. doesn't matter if you believe in them. God said, I'm going to do it. Let me give you a couple of examples. Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 and 5. But when the right time came... We've studied this verse before. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. When the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. If you study this whole idea about the right time... God said before the beginning of the world he was going to send his son to be the Messiah and at just the right time when the Roman government was in power when Herod was the king when all of this stuff was in place at the exact right moment God wasn't late he wasn't early at the right time he sent Jesus Christ to be the Messiah it didn't matter if anybody prayed for it didn't matter if anybody believed it God said I am sending Jesus at this time God's providence or will Here's another one Revelation 20 verse 11 and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. One day, every one of us will stand before God. And it doesn't matter if you're one of those, I don't, I've never met a person like this. It doesn't matter if you were one of those who said, Oh, God, please let me be judged for all of my evil deeds. God, I'd really like to give an account. No, you're probably not going to pray that. It doesn't matter whether you pray that or not. There will be a time when you will stand before God. This is God's providential will. He's going to do certain things no matter what. It's God's providential will that Jesus is going to return someday. He said it, it's going to happen. It was God's providential will that he chose the nation of Israel through whom to send the Messiah. It wasn't dependent on our belief system. It wasn't dependent on our prayers. God said, I'm going to do this no matter what. I like it when the page is upside down. Now, here's the interesting part. Even though it doesn't matter whether we believe it or not, God has always chosen to accomplish his providential will through men and women. He's always come to men and women and involved them. One day an angel comes to Mary and says, you've been chosen. She's like, chosen for what? And he said, God's going to send his son to be the Messiah of the world. And no one can stop him. But God's chosen you. You're the chosen one. And and Mary says, cool. I mean, that's my translation. She basically says, be it done to me as you have said. But, but you know, modern day, cool. Whatever you say, God, God said, I'm going to use you. In the Old Testament, God shows up to a man named Abram. Later, his name was changed to Abraham. God said, I want you to get up from this land where you're living. I want you to go to a land you've never seen before. I'm going to establish this nation called Israel and nobody's going to stop me, but I've chosen to use you. You get to be the father of that nation. So Abraham stands up and goes and he becomes the father of this Jewish nation. And he says, eventually I'm going to bless the whole world through this Jewish nation. And we know that happened when Jesus Christ was born. So God has always chosen to use men and women to accomplish his providential will. And the more familiar we become with God's providential will, what he's already done in the past, what he is going to do in the future, the easier it is for us to understand what God wants us to do in our lives. So that's providential will. Second way it's used in the Bible, moral will of God. The moral will, these are the commands of Scripture. The do's and don'ts, the thou shalt and thou shalt not. And I've told you this before, 95% of what God wants you to do is already written down in Scripture you don't have to pray about it. If it's written down in Scripture, you're supposed to obey it. For example, you don't have to get on your knees and say, Lord, should I lie? That one's already written down. Really, what we should say is, God, I don't want to tell the truth because I might get in trouble and somebody might have a different opinion of me. And God, I just don't want to be honest because that's kind of hard. And God says, no, you don't even have to pray one prayer about that when you do not lie. Here's another one. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is real simple. If you want to know God's will and it has the words God's will in the verse, it's pretty clear that it's God's will. Here it is. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Or another translation says immorality. Part of God's will is that we remain pure sexually, morally, You don't have to pray about it. God, should I have sex outside of marriage? No. God says, not only do you not have sex outside of marriage, God says, you don't even do any of those things that lead up to sex. We've talked about this before. You don't do anything that leads to sexual arousal outside of sex because sexual arousal leads to sex. God says, no, you don't do that. So, ladies, if your boyfriend calls up and says, hey, I've been thinking... Just hang up if he's been thinking that's just dangerous, you know, don't even get let him get past You know what he's been thinking, but let's say you do I've been thinking We've got all these bills We got two sets of bills and it'd be so much cheaper If we just had one set of bills, why don't we? Try this thing out. Why don't we test this out after all you wouldn't buy shoes without trying them on you wouldn't buy a car without test driving. Let's test drive our relationship. It's real clear in scripture You don't even have to pray about that. You are not supposed to do that because it's outside of God's moral will. He's already answered that one in His moral will. Here's another one, 1 Peter 2.13. You may not want to um, memorize this verse. Submit yourselves, therefore, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether the king as the supreme authority, and it says, or whether governors. Okay, here's what it means. Submit means respect and obey the government hmm, some of you didn't do that on the way to church today, did you? I actually, literally, I pulled up at the red light next to Officer Baker and I was praising God that I wasn't speeding or I didn't run the red light, you know, because my family's there and he pulls up next to me, rolls down the window, we're talking to one another. I was pleased to report to his wife. But I bet some of you all couldn't report that you uh, followed all of the laws of the land on the way here, did you? You don't have to say that right now. Talk to God, don't talk to me. Don't lie. Remember, we just said that one's... Against God's moral will. God has already said to obey the laws of the land. So, when April 15th rolls around, you don't have to pray about whether you should pay your taxes or not. I mean, there's this whole convoluted system. We know there's thousands of pages to our tax law, and and you're allowed to take legal deductions, all that stuff. Legal. But you don't have to pray about whether you're supposed to pay taxes. You're supposed to submit to and obey the governing authorities. And if you don't like it in our country, you vote someone else in. We're going to get to do that. Get to vote here later in the year. And I hope that you will vote. Uh, Okay, enough of that. So you got the providential will of God. You got the moral will of God. And then we got the one that everybody is so interested in. This is the personal will of God. This is where we live. These are the questions like, should I take this job or not? Should I take that one? Should I marry this person or not? Where should I live? Where should I go to school? What kind of car should I drive? How big a motorcycle will you let me have? That one's very personal. Um, this involves all the personal decisions you and I make on a daily basis. Here's the really good news for you today. God is very interested in your personal decisions. Now, your personal decisions aren't here. We're going to tell you how to figure out those personal decisions. But I want you to know that God is very interested in you personally and what you're doing. Today, I got down on my knees and I said, God, please forgive me whenever I think that I don't need to involve you in my personal decisions. Please forgive me for saying, Oh God, I got this one. I don't need your help on this one because every time I do that, I fall flat on my face. God says, I want to be involved in that. Let me just show you a couple of examples. First Corinthians 1 1. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, says, <clears throat> this letter is from Paul, chosen by the, what? Will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. God wanted Paul to personally be an apostle. This was not God's will for every Christ follower. This was personal to Paul himself. Let me give you another one. 1 Peter 4.19. I don't think any of you want to memorize this one. But we will take um, uh, volunteers at the end of the service. So then those who suffer according to the will of God. Anybody want to volunteer for that one? I'll just go suffer. Nobody? Okay. So those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This says it is God's personal will for a certain group of people to suffer. Why? I don't know. The Bible says God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I am not God. I can't answer that. But it says regardless of whether you're blessed or whether you're suffering, you're supposed to give God glory. But for some people, personally, God says they're going to suffer. So this brings us to four big picture items that we're going to come back to over and over again. Here it is. Big picture number one. The more familiar familiar you become with the providential will of God. This is what he's already done. What he's going to do anyway, whether you believe it or not. You become familiar with God's providential will. And the more obedient you become to the moral will of God, what he wants every one of us to do, because it's already written down in scripture. There's no ambiguity about it. You're supposed to do these things. The more familiar you become with the providential will of God, the more obedient you become to the moral will of God, the easier it will become for you to discover the personal will of God. All right, I've got a couple of tools here today. See if you can identify these things. Y'all know what this is? Well, this is the line. What's the thing on the end? Plum bob. You know what this is used for? To throw around. No. Um this is used to determine whether something is plum or not. Plum is whether it's it's straight up and down. Now, if you use this on any wall in this building, you will find that it is indeed not plum. If you've ever remodeled anything, you understand that remodeling you use creative engineering, you do not use precise engineering. You can look down the walls in the, in where we've got the sheetrock in this church and it's just like this. Just crazy. But anyway, now, if you were going to build something perfectly plumb, you would find this. Gravity is a law of gravity. It stays straight. And you bring a, a piece of wood up to it till it's completely plumb. The more plumb it is, the easier it is to fix the rest of your uh, building, your structure without creative engineering. Now, here's another tool. What is this? A level. Now, you can do plumb as well with this, but let's say you don't have something already in the ground that you can hold, and this shows you whether it's plumb or not. Then you use the plumb line, but you also have to have something that's level. Once again, if you look at... You can stick a ball on the floor in this building, and it will not stay still because it's not level. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make. God's providential will and God's moral will are like the plumb line and the level. They've already been established. And the more you line your life up with these things, the more successful you're going to be. And the more God realizes he can trust you and the more he's going to reveal his will to you. They've been revealed in the Bible. And so we've got to use them as a standard. We did a series years ago called um, Authority Issues. And we talked about being under the authority of this book. A lot of people want to rip out pages of the book that they don't like. A lot of people think it's like a buffet that you can go and you can pick and choose what you want. God says, no, the way I operate, it's declared. My providential will, my moral will, you follow those things, then I begin to reveal to you the personal will. And I want you to know that the real challenge, really, the challenge is not hearing from God. It's not that God is unable to communicate or unwilling to communicate The real problem, you know what it is? It's us. The real problem, bottom line is, we don't want to do what God's told us to do. We don't believe we can trust God. God, you don't know what's going on in my life. God, you don't understand what's happening in my life. We don't really think we can trust Him, so we're not going to follow His will. And God says, I don't operate that way. We're like, oh, God, please, please show me what you want me to do. And I'll consider it. Because, God, I really don't trust you enough to obey you. If someone sends their son to die for you. When you don't deserve it, when the son he sent to die doesn't deserve your penalty, hasn't he already proven his love for you? That's that's a yes. Yes. And so the trust and the communication should flow very quickly. But but we say, oh God, I want to know what you want me to do. I want your opinion so I can consider whether I'm going to do it. I've got all these options in front of me. God, go ahead and give me your opinion and I will choose whether I'm going to do it or not. And God says, big picture number two. No, God does not give us his direction for consideration. It's a total misunderstanding of who God is and how God operates. Whenever God participates in your decisions, His option is the only option and He expects obedience. And God is waiting till, the point till, till we get to the point we say, God, I don't even care what you tell me to do. My answer is yes. And God says, alright. Now we can move. Which brings me to big picture number three. When you get to the point that you will obey no matter what, you will hear God loud and clear. Because see, God loves... To give direction to his children. We're just not ready to hear it. His direction is not one of many options. It's the only option. And see God knows when we're ready to obey. When our hearts are ready. And when we're just full of crap. Looking at options. God knows that. And he's not going to tell us what to do. And I've discovered something. Broken people. Hear God's voice very clearly. Clearly. Because they don't care. They've looked at their lives and they're like, I am sick of doing life my way, God. Whatever you have for me, my answer is yes. They hear God's voice very clearly. I've discovered, because I visit a lot of folks in jail, I've, I've discovered people in jail are very open to the will of God. They're confined. And I've had guys tell me from behind the glass, they said, you know, I know when I'm in here is when I'm closest to God. When I struggle is when I get out. And I said, we need to figure out how to do something different once you get out of here. People in jail, man, they're ready to, whatever God wants me to do, I'm willing to do. If they would carry that attitude and get a team around them, the right team, because you come, become like people you hang out with, what normally happens when people get out of jail, they go back to the same people who helped them make the horrible decisions that got them in there in the first place. And you know what happens? They go right back. You've got to break that cycle and say, God, I need to be around people who lift me up, who point me in the right direction. You know another group of people that I've discovered that hear God's voice very clearly? broke people broken people people don't have anything they're very open to listening to god's suggestions because they're tired of doing life their way they're tired of being broke they'll do whatever and god provides now with all of that as a background let's go back and let's look at all of this verse proverbs 3 5 and 6 it says trust in the lord with how much of your heart But God, I want to trust you with only part of my heart so that I can consider my options along with your options and I'm going to choose what I want to do. God says, No, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, this lean means to put weight on, to depend on. God's saying, Look at your track record of the decisions you've made without me. How good are you at decision making without God? Your decisions have led to the heartbreak and failure in your life. And God says, don't weigh, uh, lean on that. Don't weigh on that. Don't trust what you can see, what you can feel. What, don't trust the senses, God says, because the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. One of my favorite scenes in, in the Indiana Jones, I don't even remember which one it is, but it's when he's, he's having to step out in faith. Probably some of y'all are like, Who's Indiana Jones? The old people here know. So he has to take a step and the bridge does not appear until he takes a step. Read the scripture. You'll see that over and over again, God's blessing comes after a step of obedience. "Ah, I don't know if I can trust God. Well, then you're not showing faith. If you can see it, hear it, touch it, taste it, feel it, if you can do all of that, there's not much faith required. God always wants to do something that's bigger than you, harder than you, but is also more fulfilling than what you can do on your own. God says, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Okay, this is a very, very weak translation of this word, acknowledge. What it actually means is to be riveted. You see in an airplane, those rivets, if the rivets aren't there, what happens to the body of the airplane? It's ripped apart when it goes up in the air. You don't want to be on that airplane. It means to be attached, stuck, glued to, riveted to something. So here's how it goes. In all your ways, be riveted to God acknowledge Him, be stuck to God, be so close to God that you do not want to make a decision on your own. And God says, then I'll make your path straight. Then I'll make it very clear to you. And He says, in all your ways. Now this just this means not just in the specific area that you're praying about, because this is what we'll do. We'll ignore everything God has told us in every area of our life, and then we need God's answer in this area. God, please give us your answer. And God says, wait, 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 wait. If you'll acknowledge me in all these other areas that you already know what I've told you to do, as you're going along in life, if you'll acknowledge everything, if you'll do everything that you already know to do, then I'll begin to reveal myself in the decision that you need to make over here. So do what you already know to do, and then God reveals himself to you. God doesn't want you to make any more mistakes. He is the perfect heavenly father. As a, as a parent, those of your parents, you don't want your children to make mistakes, do you? You want them to listen sometimes? I'm not listen all the time, but at least sometimes on the really important decisions. But God's only going to guide you and direct you when you're riveted to Him, when you're stuck to Him, when you're attached to Him. And you really want to do what He tells you to do before you do it. God says, if in these other areas you'll acknowledge Me, I'll make My way so plain, so clear that you could not miss it if your life depended on it. That's where I want to be. Big picture number four. Surrender to the known will of God opens the path to discovering the unknown will of God. Surrender to the known opens the path to the unknown will of God. And some of you are getting nervous right now because we got a lot of folks that haven't had a lot of church background. And that's okay, you don't have to be worried. God doesn't hold you accountable for the things you don't know yet. God holds you accountable for the things you already know. You see, I've been in a lot of churches where there's a lot of people who had a lot of Bible knowledge. And what what the Bible says is that knowledge puffs up, it makes arrogant. And the Bible says that God opposes the proud. If all you have is knowledge and no action, then you're a very arrogant Christ follower. That's, That's an oxymoron. God is opposed to proud people. He's very near to humble people. That's why broken people hear from God. I didn't do it. Yes, Lord. I hear your voice and I'm running for the hills right now. So here's what, it, what this means. Obey what you already know to do. And then God will begin to reveal to you in other areas. He knows he can trust you. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know it. But he's not going to tell you if you have a proud, arrogant heart and if it's one of many options. Check out this Philip Yancey quote. Philip Yancey is a great writer. You ought to read some of his books, Where's God When It Hurts and and Disappointment with God. And and, uh, he's written a whole bunch of books. But here's what he says. I do not get to know God and then do His will. I get to know Him more deeply by doing His will. In uh, Matthew chapter 6... Jesus is in the midst of this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's, real, it's a real clever title for a sermon where he's sitting on a mountain and he's teaching everybody. It's one of his most famous sermons. And he gets to this point and, and Jesus says, Now I know that you're worried about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. These are very personal decisions. So Jesus is giving this little talk on personal decisions. And he says, I don't want you to get all concerned about the personal things. He says, because I'm going to take care of them. And he says, consider the birds of the air. The birds fly around. They don't worry about all this stuff. I provide for the birds of the air. And then he says, aren't you much more valuable than those little birds that I take care of? And he says, consider the lilies of the field. And he said, the lilies... When they're in bloom, they are clothed better than Solomon, who was the richest, wisest man who's ever lived on the earth. He said, the lilies are here one day, they're gone the next, yet they are more beautiful than what Solomon did with his clothing. And he says, aren't you more valuable than flowers that are are here one day and then gone the next? And then Jesus says this in in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6. But more than anything else, Put God's work first and do what, do what He wants. That's called the will of God. Some of you memorized this, memorized it years ago. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I chose this translation. This is the contemporary English version because I wanted you to see the way it's worded. But more than anything else, top priority. Put God's work first, number one in your life. And do the will of God, the known will of God, and the promise of your heavenly Father is this. Then all the other things that you need food, shelter, clothing, companionship, friendship all of those things will be added to your life. See, we've got it messed up. We try to do all the other stuff, and then we want God to add the cherry on top, and God says, no, 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 I'm it. When I'm it, then everything else will be taken care of. Bow your heads for a moment. What we want to do over the next few weeks is help you understand that God's not hiding from you. More likely, the the reality is you're hiding from God. And when you want to come back to your Heavenly Father and be completely open and honest and sincere, when your heart is ready to say yes before God even tells you what He wants you to do, your Heavenly Father will blow your mind with how He will speak to you clearly. Clearly. But we're going to have to do some searching of our hearts. Because if you want his to be one among many options, you will not hear from God. I just want you right now to say, God, what do you want me to do as a result of what I've heard? Just say that in your mind. Pray that prayer. God, what do you want me to do as a result of what I've heard? And then I want you to pray this. God, reveal to me where I'm trying to do my will and not your will. If you'll be open to those prayers, I think God's going to show you some incredible things over the next few weeks. Father, it's my prayer that we begin to understand how you operate so that we can hear your voice clearly when you speak in our spirits, when you speak in our hearts, and we can be an obedient people.